0: we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We are in 2 Samuel chapter number 13, We'll begin reading in verse number 1, and it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat, and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it, and eat it at her hand. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick, and when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come, and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have out all the men from me. And they went out every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring me the meat into the chamber that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, she took hold, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come, lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly, and I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that he, the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. And she said unto him, There is no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou didst unto me. But he would not hearken unto her, Then he called his servant that ministered unto him and said, put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of divers divers colors upon her. For with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins appareled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But hold now thy peace, my sister, he is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, Neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar let's pray together father as we come to your word in this dreadful story that we find in chapter number 13 we pray God that you would speak to us by your spirit help us to hear your voice help us to be warned help us to be instructed help us Lord to receive the grace and healing that is needed We think of those who have suffered as did Tamar. I pray that your grace and mercy would be manifest in their lives. And I pray that you would help us, Lord. Give me the words to speak. Fill me with thy spirit. Enable me to communicate your truth faithfully. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we arrived at uh, chapter number 11 a few weeks ago, we had been studying the life of David, and what we saw of David was David at his best. And like all of us, we know that David had his faults. For example, the Bible tells us that he had multiple wives. Now, there were various reasons that kings in those days married multiple wives. They had children by multiple wives because... They were concerned that their children would be killed and that their lineage, their rule would not be prolonged through their children. Uh, There were political reasons that they would marry multiple wives. In fact, we know that David married the mother of, of Absalom who was the daughter of a king. And so there was a political motive, no doubt, behind that marriage But we also know from our study of David's life and especially in light of chapter number 11 that David had a problem with lust. We also know that David had a temper. At one point, we know that David was ready to go and kill a man named Nabal who refused to be kind to David after David and his men had protected him from the Philistines. And as David was ready to take his men and destroy nabal nabal's wife abigail came and appealed to him and reasoned with him and helped him to see the truth and david uh, was persuaded not to sin against god and not to kill nabal so what do we learn of david we learned that david was a man of passion uh, we read that in the psalms we read that in his life he loved the lord he loved the people of god he was a man of passion, but that passion, which was a strength, also became a weakness in his life. And I'm glad, and I hope that you are, that the Bible does not gloss over the lives of those whose uh, record is found in his pages. Uh, God deals with the sin of his people in a very straightforward and an uncomfortable manner. And if we have just simply read the 13th chapter, we are all uncomfortable by what we have read. But nevertheless, these are the events that took place. And these events take place in our world every day. In chapter number 11, then we saw David at his worst. We'd seen him at his best, but now in chapter 11, we have seen him at his worst but as we move forward into chapter number 13 we see the consequences of David's sin chapter 13 begins with an introduction of Absalom who was the son of David Absalom as I mentioned a moment ago uh, was the son of a, a daughter of a king that David had married Amnon was the son of a different woman I think her name, if I remember correctly, was Ahinoam. She was a Jesuitus. And Amnon is the firstborn son. So Amnon and Absalom are brothers. They're half-brothers. They had the same father but a different mother. Tamar uh, is the full sister of Absalom and the half-sister of Amnon. And so what we read in this chapter is a dreadful story, no doubt about it. And as we read it, we begin to think of the consequences of David's sin. Now, if you look in chapter 12, just turn a page back in your Bible to verse number 10, we find that Nathan is speaking to David concerning the fact uh, that the sin of David had been put away. But he goes on to say in, in chapter number 12 and verse 10, "'Now therefore,' he says, "'the sword shall not depart from thine house.'" Because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, to be thy wife. Now, we know what happened in chapter 11. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And in order to cover his tracks, he brought Uriah home from the battle. Uriah was Bathsheba's husband. And he said, go home to your wife. But Uriah refused to go home to his wife while his fellow soldiers fought the battle in the field. So David grew discouraged about that, and he sent Uriah with an instruction to his captain. And the instruction was, put Uriah at the forefront of the battle and then withdraw from him and make sure that he dies in battle. And that's what happened. Not only did Uriah die, but many of his fellow soldiers died as well as a result of David's act. And so Nathan is saying to him, the sword will not depart out of thine house, verse 11, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. Now, the person that will become the primary focus of that or be the primary driver of those events, we're introduced to here in chapter 13, verse 1, that's Absalom. Absalom will lead a rebellion against his father he will spread a tent on the top of the house of David uh, with the concubines of David. And so Absalom becomes a, a, a character of primary focus uh, throughout a number of chapters that we will look at. And so David is dealing with trouble now. And this trouble, as Nathan said, is coming out of his own house. Now, we might say it this way, the chickens have come home to roost. Proverbs puts it this way, he that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. Well, David has brought trouble not only to his life, not only to the life of Bathsheba and Uriah, but David has brought trouble to his house. That's what Adam and Eve did, did they not? When they sinned in the garden, they brought trouble to their house. They rejected the truth of God's word. They chose to take the fruit. They, they by the reb, rebellion of their sin, Uh, paid the consequence and penalty of that sin uh, in their death the death that came to them as a result of sin for the wages of sin is death but through their DNA their children inherited their sinful traits and I imagine as Adam and Eve looked at the grave of Abel and wondered where Cain was because he was now a vagabond in the earth. God had caused him to flee. I imagine they wept bitter tears and thought about the consequences of their sin, and those consequences are often realized in our home. I think fathers are often frustrated with their children in the particular areas where their children have taken on their traits. And we see in the lives of David's children A manifestation of the traits and the sins of David Now we're going to look at four things here As we think about this subject The troubling consequences of sin If you're taking notes and writing a title down That's it The troubling consequences of sin And they are troubling are they not? Well, I want to give them to you. Let's look at the first one, the troubling consequences of Amnon's desire. Amnon is the primary focus in chapter number 13 because it is his sin that is similar to the sin of his father that will further cause issues in David's home, in David's family so we see the troubling consequences of amnon's desire now we notice two things about the sinful desire that vexed amnon and how it troubled him this desire troubled him but it also resulted in trouble for his family Uh, we see here that first of all amnon was troubled by a dangerous infatuation a dangerous infatuation And it came to pass, verse number one, after this, that Absalom the son of David had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon the son of David loved her, and Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. He had a dangerous infatuation. The Bible tells us that that, uh, Amnon loved Tamar. But the truth of the matter is, as we've read the chapter, we find that Amnon, his, his, his feelings toward Tamar and his actions toward her uh, were anything but loving. You see, when you love someone, you care for them and you minister to them. The love of Christ is characterized by this. In fact, this is the way the Bible says that husbands are to love their wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Amnon is not interested in giving anything of himself to Tamar. He is only interested in taking from her. He has a dangerous infatuation. The Bible tells us that that, um, Tamar was fair. Verse verse 1, and it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister. What does that mean? It means she was beautiful. She was a beautiful girl. And so he desired her. He lusted after her. The Bible says in verse 2, and Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. He was so filled with desire for her that it possessed him. It took over. It fueled him. It filled him with lust. It took hold of him. We live in a culture where uh, lust is, is something to be embraced. Where there's no restraints. Where, where, where there, are no, there are absolutely no no borders, no limitations to sexual behavior. We live in an era when people are filled with lust and, and merchandised through lust. But not only was he filled with lust, he was frustrated by his lust. The Bible said he was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. He was filled with this lust, but he could not do anything about it. Now, why could he not do anything about it? Notice, by the way, the language here. Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Very descriptive, isn't it? It reveals his mindset. Now, why was it hard? Well, first of all, she was his half-sister. That's incest, and that was forbidden. It's forbidden in the Scripture. It's forbidden, and he knew it was forbidden. Not only that, but she was Absalom's sister, and Absalom and Amnon uh, had a rivalry. So Absalom would not have permitted it, and she most likely would have rejected any advance that he made so he thought it hard he was frustrated he was troubled by a dangerous infatuation by the way you may be here this morning and troubled by a dangerous infatuation somebody in the office an old friend there's a dangerous infatuation Amnon was troubled not only by a dangerous infatuation, but he was troubled by a dangerous influence. By the way, we all are troubled by dangerous influences, primarily through the media today, through social media, through movies and television and and, uh, through uh, the music of the age. The Bible says, and notice it with me if you would please in verse 3, but Amnon had a friend. Well, we're going to find out he was no friend. Amnon have said he was his friend, but Jonadab was no friend. Whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. These guys were cousins. They were friends, and they were cousins. Now, notice what the Bible says about Jonadab. He was a very subtle man. Three times in, in the Old Testament, you'll find that word used. And in all three instances, it's in a negative connotation. It was used the first time in the garden when Satan, who was more subtle than any beast of the field, came to Eve. He's subtle, that means he's crafty, he's sneaky, he's wise and cunning in the ways of the world. He's subtle, he doesn't come across as the guy that's trying to lead you down the path of destruction. He comes across as your friend. Oh, let me give you some advice. He says unto him in verse 4, why art thou being the king's son lean from day to day? What's wrong with you? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother, Absalom's sister. Well, it came out, didn't it? And Jonadab said unto him, well, that's wrong. She's your sister. You can't do that. You know your father would never permit that. Well, That's not what he said. What did he say? He said, I know what you can do. You can pretend that you're sick. Go home, get in a bed. Act like you're sick. Let your dad come see you and tell him to send her to your house to take care of you. And then, well, the story stops there as far as Jonadab is concerned. But the idea is sowed in the heart of Amnon. A dangerous influence. Oh, listen, I'm for you, he said. I want to help you. So let me tell you what to do. As one pastor said, Amnon needed a Joseph, not a Jonadab. You remember Joseph, when Potiphar's wife said, come lie with me, he said, how can I commit this sin against God? Nobody would have ever known it. But Joseph said, I'll know it, and God will know it. And Joseph fled from her. She grabbed hold of him. And he was trying to get away from her that he left his coat in her hands. You see, a true friend would have said, don't do that. Get over that. Move on. Let me help you. That's sin. Repent of it. But that's not what he said. He said, if that's what you want then go get it. And that's the message of the world. What an influence he was. The Bible says in in Proverbs 27, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That's the kind of friend that uh, Amnon needed, somebody who would say, you're wrong, don't do that. But instead, he was the kind of friend that is described in Proverbs 13 and 20. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. And what is Amnon chosen? He's chosen to have a companion of fools. By the way, we live in a time when people like to gather with certain people who will tell them what they want to hear. They want to know, they want to be with somebody, they want to talk to somebody who's going to tell them what they want to hear, who's going to justify their actions, who's going to tell them it's okay if you love somebody else. Even though you're married, go right ahead. You need to be happy. That's the message of the world. But that's not the message of God's word. So we see here the troubling consequences of Amnon's desire. By the way, you can't feed that monster in there. You can't feed it because if you do, it'll overtake you. Secondly, we see the troubling consequences of Amnon's deception. Verse 6 So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. Now we see Amnon was deceived and he was a deceiver. He was deceived and he was a deceiver. He was deceived by Jonadab. He followed Jonadab's evil plan. By the way, do you wonder where Jonadab got such an idea? Maybe he had some experience. He was deceived. In fact, he deceived himself. The Bible tells us that the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things who can know it. It's amazing how we will, at what lengths we will go to to justify our actions, isn't it? To tell ourselves it's okay when there's a voice inside us, the voice of the conscience and the voice of the Holy Spirit and the word of God that tells us, no, it's not okay. You can't do this. And so we seem to try to justify our actions. He deceived himself. He thought he could do this and it would be okay even though it was forbidden. Amnon deceived his father. He pretended to be sick and he asked for Tamar to serve him. Children have learned to deceive their parents to look at them with the sweetest faces and say, oh, I would never know. What they don't realize is that most of us were there too, right? It's amazing how they inherit the traits of their parents. Then Amnon deceived Tamar. He insisted that she feed him in his chamber. She was trying to serve him and he took advantage of her good nature. By the way, let's just pause right here and think about Tamar. The Bible tells us that she was fair. She was beautiful outwardly, but as we discover in this text, we see the inner beauty of her character. She was a young woman of honor, integrity, and strength. She was the kind of girl you'd like to be married to. By the way, girls, this is the kind of girl that you ought to be. She was the daughter of David, the sister of Absalom, the half-sister of Amnon. And as the king's daughter, she was a princess in Israel, admired, loved, and respected. By the way, you girls who have grown up in Christian homes and you girls who know the Lord, and even if you haven't grown up in a Christian home but you know the Lord Jesus, you are a daughter of the king. Let me say that again. You are a daughter of the king. And you are highly valued and highly esteemed. You are not the object of some carnal lust, of some ungodly boy. Now, Tamar was there as a victim, assaulted, forced. But we notice some things about her character. She was obedient to her father in verse 7. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down. She obeyed her father. Then we read in verse 8 that she was willing to serve her brother, and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes. She took a pan and poured them out before him. She was willing to serve. She was obedient. In verse 10, and Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon her brother. And then he grabs hold of her to take her and says to her, Come lie with me in verse 11. And then in verse 12, we see her honor. She was obedient, she was willing to serve, and she was honorable. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. This is sin, this is wickedness, this cannot happen and I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. She's talking to the firstborn son of David, the man who seemed to be the logical choice to be the next king. She said, you can't act this way. You're going to lose everything. But he would not listen. She even said to him, now therefore I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. What I believe she was trying to do here was just buy some time, reason with him, get out of the situation. Say, do this the right way. By the way, there is a right way to do this, young people. There's a right way to do this. And when you circumvent the right way that God has chosen, you will bear the consequences of that. I don't think David would have ever permitted it, nor do I think she would have ever been interested in it. But here she is trying to get out of a dreadful situation. So we see here the troubling consequences of Amnon's deception. By the way, where did he learn the trick? Well, he learned it from David. Hey, Joab, send Uriah back. I I need to talk to him about the battle. Where did did he get the the desire? (laughs) Well, David walked on the rooftop, didn't he? Well, that leads us to a third thing. And that is the troubling consequences of Amnon's deeds. What happened as a result of what David did? Evil arose out of his house. What happens is the result of what Amnon does? Well, that's revealed to us in verses 14 and onward. First of all, we see that Tamar was defiled. This young girl who was a virgin, who was a princess in Israel, who was obedient to her father, who was a willing servant, who was honorable, who had dreams and aspirations. Perhaps someone she loved, we're not told, but she was defiled. Verse 14, howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice. It's amazing who he listened to, right? Jonadab? Okay, that's a good idea. Tamar? No. I'm not going to listen to you. But being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. She was defiled. Then we see, secondly, Tamar was despised. Verse 15 Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. One minute, he's vexed and lovesick, he thinks the next minute, he hates her. He despises her. And the hatred that he hated her with was greater than the love that he thought he had for her. So having fulfilled his desire, Amnon experienced immediately, immediately, he experienced the regret of this foolish deed. He had committed a very treacherous act, violating his own sister He was guilty of assault. He was guilty of incest. And the shame and the regret of his actions began to overwhelm him. Here he is, the man who was supposed to be king, and he's guilty of incest and sexual assault. The one he longed for became the one he loathed. Why? Because what did she represent now? She represented his immorality. And so he began to hate her. Tamar was defiled. Tamar was despised. And then, verse 15 Tamar was discarded. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone, get out of here. And she said unto him, There is no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou didst unto me. But he would not hearken unto her. Then he called his servant that ministered unto him and said, Put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. He hated her and he wanted her gone. He had used her and now he was ready to discard her. By the way, that's the way of the world That's the way of sin. Oh, listen, there's nothing wrong with this, and there's nothing wrong with that. And let me tell you what this and that leads to it leads to trash. Because that's the way he viewed her. That's not the way God viewed her, but that's the way he viewed her. Take her out. Put now this woman out from me. Carry her out of here. I don't want anything to do with her. And bolt the door after her. What is he going to do? Does he need protection now? Lock the door. I don't want her back in my house. The only reason she was there is because he had invited her to come. Actually, her father had sent her. She was there for his sake. But what is he going to do? He's going to try to spin this. He's going to try to spin this. He's going to say, she came in and seduced me. Because this girl is crying outwardly. Her life is in shambles, the shame in her heart. In fact, look at verse 18. And she had a garment of divers colors upon her, for with such robe were the king's daughters that were virgins apparelled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And the Bible tells us in verse 19 that Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And he's going to pretend that she did it, that she was guilty, but it was him. She would become a reminder of his shame and his sin. So he sent her away. So you think about the troubling consequences of Amnon's deed. Tamar was defiled. Tamar was despised. Tamar was discarded, and then the family was more deeply divided. A family already divided became more deeply divided. Look, if you would, in verse 20. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? How did he know? He knew. But hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. So the family was divided. Now there's some, some, some words that stand out here. Look in verse Number 20 at the close of the verse, so Tamar remained desolate. Desolate. That word means to be destroyed. Of a city that would be desolate, it means it's uninhabited, it's empty, it is destroyed. Her life was destroyed. We do not read Tamar's name again in the scripture. There's nothing left to say. It reveals to us the fact that she was removed in her own sense, perhaps of her own accord, from society, left desolate. What a dreadful thing. Well, then the next word is in verse 21. The last word, wroth, means he was angry. David was very wroth. We remember the last time he was very angry. That's when Nathan told him about the rich man who took the poor man's lamb. And David was angry. Well, he's angry again. When he heard about the lamb, he was ready to have the man killed. But when he heard about this situation, we don't know that he was ready to do anything because apparently he did nothing, which leads us to a third word. It's not in the scripture, but it's certainly inferred. It's weakness. David is angry, but he can't do anything about it. And why can't he do anything about it? Because he's guilty himself. You see, our sin weakens us, doesn't it? It weakens us. It diminishes us. In fact, David will no longer be the same man he once was. Yes, he will receive forgiveness. Yes, he will receive the grace of God. But he's no longer going to be the same man he once was. There are consequences for our sins. Look in verse 22. And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon. There's the fourth word. Desolation, wrath, weakness, hatred. The family was divided. These are the troubling consequences of Amnon's deeds. Well, we have to stop here. What do we learn from this? Well, we understand that we're living in a world that is reeling from the consequences of sin, don't we? The world's filled with hatred, it's filled with strife, it's filled with war, it's filled with greed, it's filled with promiscuity and perversion. In Charlotte, North Carolina, this past summer, at a gay pride event, strippers dance with children. Can't believe I'm even saying that. It's where we are. And it's celebrated. Trans people. Nearly naked. It's school assemblies, libraries, and bars where families are gathered. Are we living in a world suffering the consequences of sin? Abuse. The cases of abuse, neglect. Think of the children who are neglected. Who's going to run to Tamar? Who's going to help her? Delusion. No answers, just confusion. Disease, physical, mental, emotional. Destruction. Everywhere. Death. These are the consequences of sin. This is what Adam and Eve didn't realize when they took a bite of the fruit. So let me just give you five things, just five quick things, and they're quick in conclusion as we deal with what we've read in chapter 13. Five words that all begin with R. Number one, remember. Remember. What do we need to remember? Remember the consequences of sin are troubling. Before you do, sir, before you do, ma'am, before you do, young person, think about the consequences of your actions. You see, though David's sin was put away, and praise God it was, he didn't have to pay the penalty of the sin, but he did suffer the consequences of them, and so did his family. Adrian Rogers often said, we are free to choose our actions, but we are not free to choose the consequences of of those actions. There is a principle of sowing and reaping in the Bible. Galatians 6.8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Remember the consequences of sin are troubling. Some of us. In fact all of us are suffering in some way the consequences of our own sins. And perhaps our children are too. So Remember. The number two, run, 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 run from, the, run from sin, run from temptation. Proverbs 14, verse 14 and 15, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. Don't even go by that way. Stay away, stay away. Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lust. Remember, the consequences of sin are troubling. Run from sin and temptation. Number three, repent and receive the forgiveness of God. Are you willing this morning to identify that the same thing that resided in the heart of Amnon resides in your heart? Oh, it may manifest itself differently. You may not go to the links that Amnon went to, but you might if you thought you could get away with it. It's there. It's in all of us. Would you confess that to God? Would you repent of that? Would you then receive the forgiveness of God? Don't you want that? Then recognize that when men fail, Jesus remains faithful. Can you imagine the people in in Israel? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? David commits adultery with Bathsheba and now Amnon assaults his sister. What hope do we have? I'll tell you what hope we have. Our hope is in the eventual son of David who didn't receive the DNA of David. He is the son of God who is without sin and he died for us and made the payment for our sin. That's where our hope is. So recognize, yes, men fail, but Jesus never does. Maybe you're here this morning and all you can think about are the failures of men. Why don't you put your eyes on the Lord and praise him for his faithfulness to you? And then number five, rejoice. That Christ has come to redeem us from sin. As we sang about in that second hymn, He came to ransom those ruined by sin. I got some good news for you. If you'll come to him, he will forgive you. He will receive you. And he will in no wise cast you out. And there's coming a day when we'll be in his presence. And by the way, when we get there, we're not going to say to David, David, You remember when you sinned against Bathsheba? Now, that'll never be discussed because all of our sin has been removed. And by the way, yours has too. Praise God. So rejoice that Christ has come. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com.